Hello, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to inspire you to follow Christ, and to convict you to lead a consecrated life. Today's episode is Identity Theft by Vince Finnegan, my dad. From Exodus and Deuteronomy, God makes clear who he is and how he wants his chosen people to worship him. He is Yahweh, the one God of Israel, the only one. His identity does not change. Sadly, later on, God became the victim of identity theft as Christians developed the dogma of the Trinity and substituted three for one. Now is the time to repent of this egregious act of hubris and return to how God defines himself. He is the only one who is truly God and reigns supreme over all, even Jesus. Join Vince Finnegan as he teaches with boldness and conviction in a message that is sure to fire you up. This morning I want to cover the subject matter of identity theft. Exodus chapter 6. Verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. This is the record of Israel having been in the bondage of Egypt for hundreds of years. The Lord God heard their grumblings. He remembered the covenant that he had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he decided to lead Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. To do this, he implored or he, he, he commissioned Moses to be his man to carry out this um, exodus for them. That's the record that's recorded in the book of Exodus. In verse 2 it says, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. The words, the Lord, with a capital L-O-R-D, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, when the, that word is in the, uh, in the King James Version, the New American Standard Version, I think many of the English versions, they have that word LORD in all caps. It's because that word is being translated from the Hebrew word, which is uh, spelt Y-H-W-H. And we believe that it's pronounced Yahweh. Yahweh is the proper name of Almighty God. And what, Mo, what God is saying to Moses here in verse 2, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. He's identifying himself to Moses. Verse 3, And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. If you can, you go back and you read in the book of Genesis, Yahweh, the word Yahweh is written there, but as far as his revealing himself as being Yahweh, he did not do that. He did not do that until the point that we're reading here in his dealings with Moses. Really, it started in chapter 3, but for brevity of time, because of brevity of time, I'm, I'm going to pick isolated verses to illustrate the points that I want to make this morning. He's revealing to Moses and the children of Israel, Yahweh is God for the first time. Verse 4, I also establish my covenant with them, that is with the fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel because of the Egyptians and holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. So therefore... To the sons of Israel, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from, the, from their bondage. 
I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people and I will be your what? And you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to a land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for possession. I am Yahweh. Four times in eight verses. Identifying himself so that Moses and Israel could begin to understand who he was. In chapter 7. The manner in which God led Israel out of the bondage of Egypt showed to them, to the Israelites, that Yahweh is God or was God to them. In chapter 7, verse 4, When Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on, the, on Egypt and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt, by great judgments. The Egyptians shall know... I am Yahweh. When I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So not only would Israel understand that Yahweh was God, the Egyptians would also understand that Yahweh was God. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. 714. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water and station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile. And you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. You shall say to Pharaoh, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not listened until now. Thus saith Yahweh, by this shall you know that I am Yahweh. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that is in my hand, and it will turn to blood. Look at uh, 8.10. Then he said, tomorrow, so he said, may it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like Yahweh your God. Verse 22, and on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no, so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I Yahweh am in the midst of the land. And as you read the whole record of the exodus of Israel from Egypt, you will see that there are ten plagues that take place. These ten plagues are, and the manner in which God did this, is so that Israel would know, so that Egypt would know, so that the world from that point on till this day and forevermore would know that Yahweh is God. The manner in which he did it, he could have done it many, many ways. He's Almighty God. The manner in which he did it was so that everyone in their time would clearly understand that the gods of Egypt were false gods and Yahweh was the only true God. He used ten plagues. He turned the river into blood. He had frogs, lice, flies. The animals were destroyed. There was boils, hailstorms, locusts, and there was darkness for three days. And then all the firstborn of Egypt died. All of these plagues, and when you read this record, which we're not going to take the time to do this morning, but as you read it over and over again, the emphasis is so that they would know Yahweh is God. All of this is written to identify who the one true God is, so that His people from then and forevermore would have it clear. Look at chapter 16. 
This is a tremendous record, and again, it deserves your full attention, your, your full reading and contemplation, far more than we're able to do in this short period this morning. But I want to put this before you. I want you to understand this one point about the exodus from Egypt. God's salvation... Are you listening? God's salvation for Israel and His judgment upon Egypt is how He revealed His identity. Again, God's salvation for Israel and His judgment on Egypt is how He revealed His identity. He revealed to us through this who He was. In Exodus, it was, that was in Exodus 16, after they're freed, after they're taken out from Egypt, they're in the wilderness. They start complaining about not having food. They, they first complained about not having water. As a matter of fact, they complained ten times within that first, ten, that first year, but that's another teaching for another time. Uh, in Exodus 16, 12, this is where God provided the manna. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this, that each day God provided food for them to eat, which was they called manna. In verse 12, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight... You shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am Yahweh your God. As the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is the God that said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the God that divided the waters from the waters and created the great expanse. He is the God that created time. He is the God that created space. He is the God that said to the herbs of the field, the trees bearing fruit, that they should come forth and that they should have seed within itself, everything after its kind. He is the God of life. He is the God said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness, and He created humanity. He is the great creator of all that is in existence. That great God decided to make Himself known to His people in the manner in which He did, so that it would be clearly understood who He was. He could have fed them a thousand different ways, a million different ways. He could have flown in food many, many... I mean, He could have, done, he could have gave them refrigerators. He could have done anything He wanted. He chose to do it the way that He did it, so that they would understand each and every day of their life for the 40 years that they lived in the wilderness that Yahweh was their God. That's why manna was the way it was. Whether you understand it or not, that's what we just read. I mean, that was his selection. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, no, no, look at chapter 20. After making clear that Yahweh is their God, he says the following in chapter 20. Then... God spoke all these words saying, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall serve no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. And you shall not worship them or serve them, for I Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall make, you shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. Through this record here, we begin to understand how, how adamantly concerned that Yahweh is, that His people keep clear that He is the one true God. That He and He alone is the one to be worshipped. He will not tolerate any other gods. He emphatically communicates this to them repeatedly, over and over and over again. Yahweh is God. There will be no other gods before me. In the book of Deuteronomy, please. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy is a recapitulation of what was communicated to the, the fathers of the people in Deuteronomy that are recorded in Exodus. Therefore, Moses repeats a lot of what he states in Exodus. He repeats in Deuteronomy, but he also he, he expands on things. He adds several particular laws and instructions and directions that are not communicated in Exodus. The time frame of the book of Deuteronomy is the 40th year, the 11th month, when Israel was in the wilderness. So 40 years have gone by. They are now ready to go into the promised land. They came, in, they came into the wilderness 40 years earlier, and now that time has gone by, and now they're entering into the promised land. In preparation for that, Moses begins to say a lot of the same things, and he adds some more information. But his attitude, his, his desire to reveal himself doesn't change. As anything else, it heightens. In Deuteronomy 1.6, Yahweh, our God, spoke to us at Horeb, saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Now Moses is beginning to share with them, reminding them of what happened 40 years ago when they were at Mount Horeb. Verse 10, The Lord, or Yahweh, your God, has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day like the stars of heaven in number. The, the ones that came into the wilderness 40 years ago, most of them have died and he's now preparing their children to go into the promised land. He's preparing them so that they will clearly understand who he is. He's identifying himself to a new generation of people. In verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 30, Yahweh, your God, who goes before you, will himself fight on your behalf just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you saw how Yahweh your God carried you, just as a man carries his son in all the way which you have walked until you became, until you came to this place. But for all of this you did not trust Yahweh your God, who goes before you on the way to seek out a place for you to encamp in fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go. Verse 34, Then Yahweh heard the sound of your words, and he said in his anger and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jethany, he shall see it. And to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed Yahweh fully. And Yahweh was angry with me, Moses, also on your account, saying, Not even you shall enter there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. And uh, I think most of you are familiar with this record. The, the interesting thing of it is, is that the, the people that Moses is addressing are the children of those that came from Egypt into the wilderness. Only two, only two of the millions that entered into the wilderness. Are you listening to me? Two people out of the millions that entered into the wilderness entered into the promised land. That was Caleb and who else? Joshua. Everyone else died in the wilderness, save their children. That's this new group of people he's talking to. Their children are going into the promised land. The reason that these all died in the wilderness is because they refused to believe that Yahweh was the one true God. They would not accept Yahweh as God. They held on to the false gods of Egypt. The years they lived in Egypt, which was approximately 210 years, everyone believed in the many gods of the Egyptians. The reason God declared, as I stated, these, well, the reason that God had the ten plagues and then He did the things what He did with the ten plagues, because it, it had directly attacked ten of the gods of Egypt. There was a, a, a god of the, the Nile, there was a god of the flies, there was a god of the frogs, 
And that is exactly why he chose those plagues, was to show to them that these gods were false. Everyone, they, the Israelites, knew in Egypt when they lived there, it was their culture, it was their environment, where they lived, everyone worshipped these many gods. For them to believe in Yahweh, a monotheistic god, would have made them outcasts. It would have made them weird. Everyone believed in polytheism. Multiple gods. Monotheism is one god. Polytheism is more than one god. The Egyptians, everybody, everybody in society believed in more than one god. It was only Yahweh who declared himself to be the one true god. And for them to embrace Yahweh meant that they would have been different than everybody else. And you know what? They didn't have it to do it. They never really did it. Now their children, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, they were trained by Yahweh in the wilderness. When they woke up in the morning, they ate the food from Yahweh. When they went to sleep at night, there was a fire above them that Yahweh provided every night. When they walked through the wilderness, there was a cloud provided for them by Yahweh. When their fathers rejected Yahweh and worshipped other, go other gods, they saw Yahweh open up the ground and swallow them up. They learned that Yahweh was the true God. Therefore, they were able to go into the promised land. Look at chapter 2, verse 29. Deuteronomy 2.29. Just as the sons of Esau, who lived in Seir, and the Moabites, who lived at Ur, did not did for me until I crossed over the Jordan into the land which Yahweh our God is giving to us. Verse 32. Sion, with all of his people, came out to meet us in battle at Jahaz. And Yahweh, your God, delivered him over to us. And we defeated him with his sons and his people. I, let me explain to you what I'm doing now. What, what, what I'm going to show you very quickly, very quickly, is that Moses says to these people, Now remember these things that happened to us. All that from the beginning when God got involved in leading us, Yahweh got involved, here's what he did. And he did this. Yahweh, our God, did this. Yahweh, our God, did this. Yahweh, our God, did this. So that they could remember, so that they could understand what had happened to them, their history. Look at uh, verse 36. From Arar, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the city which is in the valley, even Gilead, there was no city that was too high for us. Yahweh our God delivered all over to us. Chapter 3, verse 2. And Yahweh said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him all his people and his land into your hand. And you shall do to him just as he, you do to Sion, king of the Amorites, that lived in Hashbon. So Yahweh our God delivered Og also, king of Basham, with all of his people into our hand. Verse 18. Then I commanded you that at that time saying, Yahweh, your God, has given you this land to possess it. All ye valiant men shall cross over on before your brothers, the sons of Israel. Verse 21. I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that Yahweh, your God, has done to these two kings. So Yahweh shall be to you all the kingdoms shall be to all the kingdoms in which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for Yahweh your God is the one fighting for you. Look at verse um, 21. We just read that. Look at... Uh, that's enough looking at. <laughs> I could continue to go on, but you get the point is, he's saying over and over again, I am Yahweh. Yahweh, your God, has done this. As a matter of fact, 
According to my online Bible and my computer, the word Yahweh is used 439 times in the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, I think, is only 34 chapters. Yet 439 times, God tells us His proper name. God identifies Himself to us in this section of the Word of God. In Deuteronomy, He says 239 times, Yahweh, your God. And 21 times, He says, Yahweh, our God. Again, in 34 chapters, He says, Almost 250 times, more than 250 times, Yahweh, your God. Yahweh, our God. That's like me saying, look, I am Vince Finnegan. I was born in New High Park, Long Island. I, Vince Finnegan, was parented by John and Dorothy Finnegan. I, Vince Finnegan, had one sister and two brothers. I, Vince Finnegan, was a poophead. Until I got to know Christ. I, Vince Finnegan, when I was 21, received Christ. I, Vince Finnegan, afterwards changed greatly. I, Vince Finnegan, in 1974, met the most wonderful woman in the world and married her. I, Vince Finnegan, have stayed married to that same woman for 32 years. I, Vince Finnegan, have five children, five wonderful children. I, Vince Finnegan, have been blessed to have two more wonderful Daughter-in-laws, I, Vince Finnegan, have recently become a grandfather of the most perfect grandchild in the world. I, Vince Finnegan, hate mushrooms, but I, Vince Finnegan, will eat mushrooms if you hide them in the sauce. I, Vince Finnegan, am 45 years old. I, Vince Finnegan, lie like all men. <laughs> In, in getting, in, now, if I were to talk to you like that, you would begin to learn who I am. I'm identifying to you the aspects of my life so that you understand who Vince Finnegan is. You cannot know him any other way. You can see a picture of him, you can hear his voice, but to know me, you must receive information about me. Over five, 400 times in one book, God is identifying Himself to us so that we clearly, without any misunderstanding, under, grab hold of who He is. Yahweh is our God. He is the Lord thy God. As a matter of fact, in the first four books of the Bible written by Moses, Yahweh is used over 1,500 times. Now, Christians who love God and want to witness for Him, go out and they evangelize the world, and then they say to this, the, the person that they're talking to, the person may say to them, well, I want to know about God. And they say, what do I do? Get your Bible out and start reading. Well, where should I read? Well, start in the Gospel of John. Well, why would you tell somebody to start in the Gospel of John if you want them to know about Yahweh? Yahweh is revealed in the first five books of the Bible. As a matter of fact, Yahweh is spoken about 6,000 times in the Old Testament. Don't quote me on that number, but there are about between six and 7,000 times He is spoken about in the Old Testament. But if you want to know about God, open up the Gospel of John and study it. The Gospel of John will tell you about the Son of God, Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. And it is no wonder that so many believe that Jesus is God, because when people are asked to understand about God, they are told to look at Jesus and not God. God does not reveal Himself in the New Testament. God reveals Himself thoroughly in the Old Testament. He has continued to be explained in the New Testament, but if you don't have the underpinnings of the Old, you will never really understand Him. As a matter of fact, very few understand anything about His Son or many things about His Son because they don't understand who the Father God is. Because they haven't grasped that Yahweh is the one true God. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, in verse 23, So watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant that Yahweh your God 
which he made with you. And make yourselves graven images in the form of anything against Yahweh your God has commanded you. Verse 24, I'm in chapter 4. For Yahweh your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Look at verse 35. To you it is shown that you might know that Yahweh, He is our God. There is no others beside Him. Out of the heavens, He let you hear His voice to discipline you. And on earth, He let you see His great fire. And you heard His words from the midst of the fire. Because He loved your fathers, therefore He chose their descendants after them. And He personally brought you from Egypt by His great power, driving out from before you nations greater, greater and mightier than you, to bring you in and to give you a land for an inheritance as it is this day. Verse 39, Know ye therefore today, and take it to your heart, that Yahweh, is, He is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Chapter 5. Verse 6, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Verse 7, you shall, verse 7, you shall have no other gods before me. Read that with me. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the words of Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity on the fathers of the, on the children on the third and the fourth generation and those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to those who love me and keep my commandments. Chapter 6, verse 4. Chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Read it with me. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is what? One. He is one. Yahweh is one. Chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that Yahweh your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to thousands, thousands, generations, which with those who love Him and keep His commandments. But He repays those who hate Him to their face to destroy them. He will not delay with, with Him who hates Him. He will repay Him to His face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I command you today to do them. The first of which is to acknowledge that Yahweh is the Lord thy God and Yahweh is one. Look at chapter 10. Deuteronomy 10:17. For Yahweh your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality and you cannot bribe Him. He executes judgment for the orphan and for the widow and He shows His love for the alien by giving Him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear Yahweh, your God. You shall serve Him and cling to Him. And you shall swear by His name. He is your praise. He is your God who has done these great and awesome things for you, for, for you which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all. And now Yahweh, your God, has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Yahweh wants to be identified. He wants to be known. 
That's why this word is written so that we might know exactly who he is. He wants to be identified and he wants to be worshipped as who he is, the one true God. Look at Malachi chapter 3, the end of the Old Testament. And throughout the things that I'm sharing with you in the beginning are reiterated over and over and over again. The demise of Israel is because they flat out, repeatedly, generation after generation after generation, refused to accept that Yahweh was the one true God. They refused to maintain monotheistic beliefs. They constantly were swayed by the gods of the Egyptians, by the gods of the Canaanites, by the gods of the Babylonians, by the gods of the Assyrians. They were swayed by the gods of the Greeks and the Romans. And they would embrace these polyistic gods rather than maintaining a one commitment to the one true God. And as a result of it, Israel ended up being cursed. They lost their nation and they, to this day they have not maintained or been brought back to the thing that God had promised them to their fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and to David. They are still not where God wants them to be because they turned their back on the one true God. In Malachi chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets who led my people astray. That's in Micah. That's a good place too, but we'll... <laughs> 3, 5. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, Malachi 3, 5, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me. It says Yahweh of hosts, for I, for I, Yahweh, do not what? I, Yahweh, do not, do not change. He is who He is. He is who he has always been. Yahweh was, he was, he is, he will always be. Yahweh does not change who he is. His identity did not change with the birth of his son. As I said, between six and seven thousand times Yahweh is used in the Old Testament. And not once is there the slightest indication that he is three in one. Not once, not once does it say, Jesus is Yahweh. Not once does it say that the Holy Spirit is Yahweh. It says, Yahweh is one. Yet the commonly accepted belief of most Christianity is the Trinity. The Trinitarian dogma of the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as three persons in one Godhead. And yet, as many times as Yahweh emphatically communicated with, with, with words, with actions, with undeniable proofs in every possible imaginable way to show the world who He was, not one single time did He say, I am three in one. Not once did He say that. He said over and over and gave proof, illustration, generation after generation as to who he was. There is no reason to have this belief from a biblical point of view. Three Hebrew men, three Hebrew boys, 17 years old, ripped from their homes in a time of war. Their land was savaged with war. Their capital city fell. Everything that they treasured was ruined. And they were hauled off hundreds of miles away from home. They were taken from their homeland. They were taken from their, child, from, their, from their parents. They were taken from their society. They were brought to a pagan land. And they were, their names were changed. They were told to learn another language. To learn, to learn an education that was not their education. They were told... Their names were changed from names that reflected the God that they loved to pagan gods. 
And they were told, these three young boys, they were told, at one point, you will worship the God that we put before you. If you don't, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace and you will burn. Everybody, everybody bowed down before the image of Nebuchadnezzar. All the governors, all the princes, all the powerful men in society. And that Babylonian empire that ruled the world, he brought in all of the powerful people. He made all of them bow before the God that he created. And he said, you worship this God or you will burn. These three, three, just three men said, no, we will not bow before your God. Yahweh is our God. The king said to them, Nebuchadnezzar, if you do not bow, you will bow, you will burn this day. And who is your God that will deliver you out of my hand? Their response was, soon we're not, we're not quick to answer you in this matter, O king, but let it be known to you. Let it be known to you this day. Whether or not our God will deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, I don't, we don't know. But this one thing we know. We will not bow and worship your God. We will not bow. I know everybody else in the kingdom is worshiping it. I know in order to fit into the society, to be liked, to be like everybody else, to fit in, to move with the, everybody else, that I have to worship your God, but I would rather burn than worship and compromise Yahweh. They were thrown in the fire. They didn't burn. They were delivered. But make no mistakes. They were not the only three that had that choice in history. There were others that had that same choice. Men who had to make them up their mind and make a decision as to whether or not they were going to bow and worship the Trinitarian God that has been promoted or to stay faithful to the one true God. Like Michael Saveus in the time of John Calvin. John Calvin and Michael Saveus argued over, they debated over the Trinity or the one true God. Calvin, a Trinitarian, decided because of the power that he yielded that the best thing to do with Saveus was to, to tie him to a stake, stick all of his books in his arms and burn him. And that's what he did. He burned him alive because he refused to bow to worship a God that is not, is not identified in the Scriptures as the one true God. Ladies and gentlemen, what will you do? Will you bow in order to not be burned? Well, if you do, I guarantee you in the end you will burn. Because Yahweh is going to judge. There will be a day. And those who do not stand and have faith in Yahweh, will be thrown into the fire. Look at Ezekiel, please. Hananiah, Mishael, Ezariah are those three brave Hebrew boys who stood for the one true God. They will be rewarded in the day of Christ for their stand. They will be given eternal life. So will Michael Saveus. And for all those who have stood, there's a special, a special blessing for the martyrs who have stood and died for the one true God. God made Himself known as Yahweh by bringing the wrath of God and the judgment upon Egypt and setting Israel free, bringing salvation to Israel. That's how he did it when he first did it. And that's how it's going to be done at the end. When Christ comes back, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the nations. And once again, Israel will be freed. The true Israel. The Israel that embraces the God of heaven and earth and has Jesus Christ as their Lord, the Son. Believing in the one true God does not diminish the significance of His Son. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the mediator. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for humanity. Jesus is the only man who ever lived and never sinned. 
Jesus stands right now at the, at the right hand of God. He is our mediator. He is our high priest. He is everything to us. He is our Lord. He is our master. But He is not our God. He came to make known that God that we now worship. We now know God better than ever before because Jesus lived. He lived that perfect light and illustrated God to us. But He is not God. There is none God. Why call thou me as good? There is none good but God. His words. Ezekiel. Are you there? Chapter 25, verse 17. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes, and they will know, they will know, I am Yahweh. When I lay my vengeance on them. Chapter 36. This is talking about when Christ comes back and the wrath of God is poured out on the sinful people worldwide. Ezekiel 30, 36, verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Yahweh God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to attack, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am Yahweh, declares that the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight, for I will take you from their nations, from the nations, gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers so that you will be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness and I will call you for a grain and multiply it and I will not bring a famine on you and I will multiply your fruit and so on the story goes verse 32 I am not I am doing this for your I am not doing this for your sakes declares Yahweh God let it be known to you be ashamed and confounded for your ways O house of Israel in that great and glorious day this is a twofold prophecy of something part of which happened then, all of which is going to happen in the end. In the end, God is going to send His only begotten Son. He's going to come back. And He's going to convict the world for their sinfulness. First and foremost of that sinfulness is the worshiping of the wrong gods of this world. And all of those are, that don't have faith in the end will suffer eternal damnation. Those who do have faith in God, Yahweh, and are loyal to the Lordship of His Son, Jesus Christ, will be given life everlasting. We live in a time and in a day when we look back and we say of Israel, how could they have believed the Egyptian gods? How could they have believed the Canaanite gods? How can we, the people today, think that anything has changed? How can we think today that there is not the same deception afoot? That people are being wooed into believing someone or something other than Yahweh as being the one true God. Amen. Nothing has changed. What has changed are the people. And you are the people now that have to make the choice. The choice of worshiping Yahweh as the one true God or succumbing to what is popular like they did in the time of Egypt. Heavenly Father, help us to have the courage to choose. Help us to have the wisdom to search your scriptures and to find truth and not to be swayed by the popular belief of our time. Let your scriptures, let your scriptures weigh heavy on our hearts and let us embrace you as who you are, the one true God.
Father, help us, guide us, direct us, and lead us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. The way, the way I know the adversary to be is subtle. I know him to be a God, uh, the God of this age as to be someone who will get people to, to accept good instead of best. It's much easier when you see black and white. It's much difficult, much more difficult when there's shades of seeming gray. It's, it's, it's close, but there is no close with God. You either believe what His Word says or you don't. It's the same words, it sounds good, it's musical, it's nice and people are good and all the rest and they're nice people and all the rest. But, but truth is truth and there are no shades of gray. And one thing that is also true is that God is the judge, not you and not me. I'm not the one that goes into the world and judges people's beliefs. I don't know what's in anybody's heart. I hardly know what's in my own heart. I don't walk out of a meeting like this and then cast dispersion and, and condemnations upon everybody that is a Trinitarian. I don't do that. Only by the grace of God I know the little bit that I know of truth. There is so much more I should know. That isn't the correct attitude. The correct attitude is, let me evangelize the truth for the one true God. Let Yahweh's truth be declared to this next soul that I come in contact with. Not with condemnation and judgment, but with love and compassion and empathy so that they can enter into His kingdom. Am I going to teach a second teaching? Are you guys going to sing a song? <laughs> If you enjoyed what you heard here, why not give Restitutio a five-star rating in iTunes or Stitcher? Doing so will help others find this podcast and inspire them to love God, follow Christ, and seek truth wherever it leads. Thanks for listening, and check us out online at restitutio.org, where you can find an archive of all the podcasts, as well as a bunch of articles and links to other resources. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.